Hi, I'm April Lovett. And I'm Daryl Lovett. We've been together for six years, and we have a sweet and sassy little girl, an adorable and talkative little boy, and our fur child, our dog, Lainey. <laughs> oh. That's funny, huh? Hi, I'm April Lovett. And I'm Daryl Lovett. We've been together for six years, and we have a sweet and sassy little girl, an adorable and talkative little boy, and our fur child, our dog, Lainey. That's right. We also work our nine-to-five jobs together, we teach together, and we own the Lovett Company. We do so much together, and we wanted to share some of our tips and tricks for living out our 24-7 relationship. That's right. A relationship that is all day, every day. Plus, we wanted to share with you how we managed to run our business alongside full-time jobs and still find time for kids, chores, and fun. So in this podcast, the Success in Black and White podcast, we will talk about navigating the gray in life. So get ready, get ready, get ready. We're going to be bringing to you Real Talk concepts every week as we share some of our stories, best practices, as well as talk to guests about how they found success by doing extraordinary things in their everyday lives. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Success in Black and White. The podcast. We are back one more again. We are back one more again. Yes, coming to you live. From the house. Just us tonight. Yep. We've had a couple guest speakers that we're super excited about, but tonight it's just us. It is just us. Yep. What are we talking about tonight? Well, let me ask you a question. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. It's voting season. Voting season. You are going to hear this on the 26th of October. You call it voting season. I call it drama season. Drama season. It is voting season in the United States of America. Drama season. Which has turned into somehow a reality TV escapade. I have no idea how that happens. I have no clue. Yeah, exactly what it is. Yes. But regardless, what I want to know from you Uh as we approach the fated Tuesday. Don't ask me who I voted for. I'm not going to ask you who you voted for. Okay. Although we have both already cast our votes We've via cast mail. Our vote. Yep. I want to know, do you think that your vote counts? <laughs> yes, I think that my vote counts. Um, I feel like that's a loaded question um, for a couple of different reasons. One, I feel like my vote counts because of all the trouble and all the heartache and all the fighting and all of the marching and all of the uh, things that have occurred in order for me to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to say that. So that's one reason why I think my vote counts and matters. Yes. Um, because a lot of people have done a lot of things for me to even have the opportunity to vote as well as for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, my vote matters. And yes, it counts okay. for me personally. Um, Now, if you want to ask that systematically, then I feel like that's another discussion that we're probably about to dive into. (laughs) We're about to dive into that. All right. Um, I have to ask that because that is essentially what we're going to be talking about tonight is does your vote count? And that is a huge discussion in the United States of looking at the systems that we have in place, the way that it's set up. You have Every single person has the right to vote, so you have a popular vote option. But we also have this hybrid system that we are going to go through the history of tonight in the United States. That is the Electoral College. And in that system, it doesn't always mean that the popular vote will win, even though it should. Yep. 
So it's a big discussion. And does your vote count? Does it not? We're actually not here to tell you one way or another, but we are here to tell you about the history and to help you come up with your own idea of does my vote count or does it not? And so we are going to talk about the Electoral College. The Electoral College. She says electoral. I'm going to say it like I say it. The Electoral Electorial. No, I didn't put the. Blah, 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 blah. Like, oh. No, you say like it your way. I say it my way. Board. No, the electoral. <laughs> no, I say it like oh, I put some oh, behind it. Electoral. Like you say the electoral. electoral. No, it ain't nothing electoral about it. <laughs> the electoral <laughs> colleges. This is so of the colleges. <laughs> um, real quick disclaimer. Now, nah, real quick disclaimer. You know, I got to keep it real. Keep um, it real. Listen, everybody. We are not here to give you any recommendations, any suggestions on who to vote for or whether you should vote or not vote because you think your vote doesn't matter or doesn't count. You should always vote. You should always vote. But anyways, let me finish what I'm saying. (laughs) We are here. This is my disclaimer. Okay, disclaimer. Help you understand the process. So basically, this is educational. I don't (laughs) want to make sure everybody understand that. Nobody get it twisted. We're not on here to persuade you any way or the other. We're not on here to convince you or to try to get you to change your mind about anything. We're basically here (laughs) to educate you on the process. So we've done research and identified facts that we're going to share with you. Now, throughout the conversation, because it's our podcast, first and foremost, (laughs) and secondly, because we have our own thoughts Mm -hmm. we may share some of those coming from us but the purpose of this is not listen when i tell you it's not to convince or persuade you any way or the other it's just purely here for educational purposes disclaimer put out there the real real well said And I do really enjoy the part that it is still our podcast and our platform. So we're still going to say what we want to. But yes, we are just here for educational purposes tonight. We have our thoughts. We're going to share those. But it's not to persuade or convince you. Nope. So hit them with this knowledge, baby. Okay. So as you already know, we do our research. I'm going to tell you, and Daryl will agree with me, we have this was the hardest episode to research that we've ever done. Yes. We're still, there are still things that we are confused about. And what I want to put out there in regards to the electoral college is that I believe the inability to find cohesive and coherent information is not, I don't want to go so far to say it's intentional, but I do want to say, I don't think it's a mistake. FYI. Okay. So we'll start off with that disclaimer from me. But what I do want to share is that I put out a social media poll a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. A social media poll. And I had 23 people respond to this poll. And it was only on Facebook. I just wanted to see what I was going to get. Out of those 23, 40% of them were Democrats, 20% identified as independents, 17% libertarians, 17% Republicans. of them live in the Southeast, 30% in the Midwest, 13% Northeast, 4% Northwest, 4% Southwest. 
Um, then we get into suburban, rural, urban, all that stuff. So out of all these people, 40% said, I just asked a simple question, should the electoral college stay or go and why? 40% said the electrical, the electrical, the electoral college should go. You better say it like me, electoral. You better say the electoral. (laughs) You better say it like me. Okay. So 40% said it should go. 13% 13% said it should it can go or it could be reformed. 35% said that it should stay. And 13% said it should stay or it could be, they'd be open to it being reformed. Um, out of that, 0% of Democrats said that it should stay without any reformation. So I don't think, I'm not surprised right now. No, I'm not surprised yeah. by that at all. Um, every other party, Republican, Libertarian, Independent, had 50% or more say that it needs to stay in some form. Yeah. Not surprised by that either. Really? No. I was, surpri- I was surprised by the Libertarian saying that, but I guess just me. Yeah. I mean, Libertarian, like, it's, it's like they're open. I guess. You know, they're open. So yeah, I, I, I wasn't surprised. This is also not... Super surprising, 87% of rural voters said the Electoral College should stay. 80% of suburban voters said the Electoral College should go. This surprised me, 60% of urban voters, so lower than suburban, said that the Electoral College should go. Hmm. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Still higher than a majority, but still lower than suburban. Yeah. Which interested me. We're going to talk more about those results at the end because we had some really good comments on the why. And I do want to get into them because there's a lot of pros and cons and back and forth in regards to why you would say that the Electoral College should stay versus why it should go. So let's get into history a little bit. Give it to us. As we're going through this, we had like three pages of history on the Electoral College and I didn't even finish it. (laughs) Yep. So I'm going to hit the highlights. That's right. And you can kind of back me up with stuff if I forget about it. Okay. So first of all, what is the Electoral College? We've been talking about it. Basically, every four years, each state nominates a set of electors that cast their votes for the president of the United States, and they are designated at each of the state's wills. So each state has a different process for designating these people. In most states, most states, it's supposed to be a winner-take-all system. So for instance, if the Republican candidate wins the popular vote, then all of the electors of the state vote for the Republican candidate. Now, the number of electors that a state gets is determined by the number of House of Representative members plus senators for each state. So if you add the number that you get, that's how many electors or electoral votes that state gets. Right. Now, House of Representatives, we know, well, we know, let's start with senators because Senate is easy. Each state in the United States gets two senators. Right. And they get two. Yep. The House of Representatives is determined based on population. Yep. And so that is why when people are like, it's really important that you fill out your census, mm-hmm. the 2010 census, the 2020 census, Every it's super years. important that you fill it out. Mm-hmm. The reason, partially, it's to try to understand the demographics of America. I don't think it does that very well. More importantly, it's to determine every 10 years how many House of Republican seats each state gets, 
which also therefore determines the number of electors that state gets. Correct. Yes. So just a side note, I know that we are (laughs) past the 2020 census deadline. So the next 10 years, if you haven't filled it out, make sure you fill out your 2030. So this I thought was interesting because elector is population versus participation. Do you know what I mean by that? Explain. I know what you mean by that, but explain it to the people. So the electors, basically the House of Representatives and the electors base is based on population. Right. Rather than participation. Right. And if you think back through our history and the way our constitution was set up, this actually makes perfect sense. Because when our constitution was set up, it was set up by who? British white men. Yep. Who had come to America to protest the British king and they wanted their own (laughs) life. And so they came in, they protested, they threw all the tea into the into the harbor. Yeah. The Boston Tea Party, right? Yeah. I'm really oversimplifying this, I know. But basically, it was what I'm trying to get at is it was a bunch of white men who wrote the Constitution. And I'm saying this because race was super important back then. Not only race, but sex. Mm-hmm. If you were not white and you were not male, you were not counted as a person or a we the people when they wrote the Constitution. Right. And the reason that matters is because those that they deemed people were people that could participate in voting, voting yep. in holding Senate seats, mm-hmm. in holding House of Representatives. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, but when I say population versus far- participation, this is super important because you have the population, which is everybody, white males and Everybody else. Everybody else. else. White females, slaves, everybody, right? They include in the population. Participation was only white men. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that we have that down pat, when they went to write the Constitution and they were trying, they're in Philadelphia and they're trying to figure out, how do we write this Constitution? We are putting all these things in the Constitution they, they forgot the Bill of Rights. Like, this, it was just a big summer session. All these white men were there, and they were all, like, you know, talking about how do we write the Constitution for this new nation. And so our founders were trying to figure out, in the middle of all of this, how do we also elect a president of the United States? Mm-hmm. And so in their determination to do that, when we kind of think about this population versus participation, the people who could participate could also vote to elect these people. But in the terms of popular vote or population vote, when they propose this idea, there are a lot of states that were like, no, I don't think so. Like, we're not happy about a direct vote because we don't feel like we'll be seen. Well, remember what I told you, who was considered people were... White men, really white men Mm -hmm. in the beginning, right? And so these white men, the ones in southern states, were upset because they're like, well, we don't have the population numbers because we don't count slaves as population. Like, we count them as slaves. They're here to do work. We don't count them as people that we wrote into the Constitution as we the people. And because of that, we are going to lose every time because we don't have as many white people in the South as the North does. Mm -hmm. And so when they talked about population vote, 
the Northerners were like, well, we have to come to a compromise or the South is never going to agree to the Constitution. We're never going to become the United States. And so their compromise ended up being population vote plus electoral college. And that way you had designees. And the way that they came to this, they went back and forth for like a week. I think it was a week or so. They went back and forth about how to determine the South's population. This is where the three-fifths rule comes in, Mm -hmm. right? And so this is where they're saying anybody who is a slave is counted as three-fifths of a person. Mm -hmm. So it's like the most dehumanizing thing ever. And it's not necessarily, though, out of moral out of out of morality. Yep. It was to get the population. It was to get population. Right. And it was to, so the southern states would agree to ratify the constitution mm-hmm. in their states. Yep. And so that's where the three-fifths rule comes in, right? So this is fine and dandy for a long time with southern states because they're getting more electors, but the amount of population that can vote is very few. So they have the ability to control the vote, to control what the other white men in the South are voting because they know them all. They're all profiting off the same system of slavery, but they're being counted for their population with three-fifths of the vote for, for, for slaves. So it's crazy. Like, I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is insane. Anyway, that's where three-fifths comes from. So, um, This is what I wrote this out because I think this is important. So when the framers made the deal in order to get the Constitution ratified, the states that benefited the most were states with small populations, so Midwest states, and slave states. The system gave the southern states a leg up. The Electoral College is really about the fears of the southern states at the founding of this nation that the northern states would dominate. The South wanted guardrails all the way through the Constitution that would protect slaveholder power. Mm-hmm. We see this. I think we talked about this in the right to vote episode <laughs> because we've seen this as well, like just throughout history, throughout the constitution. We see this all the time. So basically what had happened was after all this, fast forward a little bit, not too long, but a little bit to the 1800s, John Adams loses John Adams is a Federalist candidate. There's two different parties in the system at this point in the 1800s. There's a Federalist Party who are abolitionists. There is the Democrat Party, which are slaveholders and Southern, basically Southerners or Democrats. So John Adams, who's a Federalist, loses to Thomas Jefferson, who's a Democrat in a slaveholding state. And Thomas Jefferson is in Virginia, and he gets more votes because of the three-fifths rule. Mm-hmm. So most Northerners advocated to get rid of the electoral system because after this whole voting went through and Thomas Jefferson is like, well, I only have a few votes, but I have so much of the population, the electoral college actually gets to decide for me. So he technically loses the popular vote but he gets to be president. Mm-hmm. The Northerners didn't like the system. The Southerners are like, no, we love this system. This is great because we get to continue our way of life of you know victimizing people and making a lot of money off of it. And we always get to determine who is president because right. of the way that the framers set up the constitution. So at this point, this is like, Sad to say, but it's not. There were abolitionists because of moral standing, but there weren't many. This point, when Thomas Jefferson in the 1800s wins the 
presidential election is when Northerners were like, oh, slavery is actually counting against us because of the three-fifths rule. Right. And so they kind of have to acknowledge this. They, they're they like, okay, now we know. So there's there becomes even more abolitionists. Again, not necessarily on moral ground, more so political ground, because the North is tired of losing. Well, eventually, they get Abraham Lincoln elected as president. Mm-hmm. And he realized that through the Southern states, the electoral, electoral college was holding themselves as the highest authority. So... Basically, when he started the Civil War, he made these great speeches. I'm sure there was, again, some sort of moral imperative there. But basically why he was doing this is because he felt the northern states were cheated from the right. from votes by the three-fifths compromise. So we go through the Civil War. We talked a little bit about that on the podcast. We go through the Civil War. The 13th Amendment happens, is ratified. <laughs> Slaves are freed. And you know what this is? What? This is the oh crap moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was about to say, it's political. It's political. Like, so yeah, what happens when slaves are freed? When slaves are freed, yeah. they become citizens. Citizens, yep. They can vote. Yep. Population. They become population. They mm-hmm. don't just become, they're not three-fifths population anymore. They yep. become five-fifths yep. yep. population. Yep. So now, the South actually gets even more electoral seats. Because now they they can have more population in the House of Representatives. Right. And in, in addition, we're looking at voter suppression, intimidation of black families and mm-hmm. black men from voting to keep them from voting. We're looking at voter suppression in the most violent forms. So not only do they have, this is again where I'm going back to population versus participation. They have the population and they have a higher population now. They have more House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. They have more people in the Electoral College, but they won't let them vote. Exactly. And just to kind of add some clarity to it is that it backfired on them Mm -hmm. because of all of the the things that they were doing and responsible for to these people, and then they couldn't control their votes. Right. So therefore, they tried to prohibit them from voting. Yep. Mm. Yeah, so the southern states actually continued to gain ground up until the 1960s when you see the civil rights movement pass, when you see the federal... Or the Fair Housing Act pass. You see Immigration Act pass. All of these, like, in the 1960s, then you see the southern states start to lose ground. When integration hits is the biggest, it's the it's the biggest issue for any political party in the South that can happen. Mm-hmm. Because then you start acknowledging, like, people start actually being able to vote. Like, you have this public acknowledgement of not just slavery is wrong because from a political standpoint, it disadvantages the North. Slavery is wrong from a moral standpoint. Right. And so you see the South lose a ton of ground in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's where the Electoral College comes from. So flash history... (laughs) That is basically the same system we use today. There was one... There was a version 1.0, and there was a version 2.0. And the version 1.0 was like the very beginning, I think the second presidential vote. They were voting for basically the president, and they would all, everybody would cast their votes. And they would cast them, and they and whoever came in first got the presidency, and whoever came in second got the, got the vice, vice presidency. President. Yep. Guess how that went? 
Yeah. So by the second presidency, they're like, ah, they nah. switched it to the yeah. the one we have now, where you just vote for one party. Yeah, like nah. <laughs> like that's not gonna work for us. So that's what. So that's where we're at. That's what we have now. And basically, you know, what it comes back down to is that, you know, each state has a, a set number of votes or of electoral votes. And so that is how, like, say, in 2016, Hillary wins the popular vote, but loses the electoral, electoral college, college vote. Mm-hmm. And now we are where we are <laughs> as a nation. Yeah. In a stuck in a reality that TV was a, show. What, seventh time in history? <laughs> or not seventh no, time. No, I think it was the, the fourth time. The fourth time. Or fifth in, time, maybe. In history, let me let me go let me go to my notes real quick. Go to the notes. Yeah. I don't, don't want to misquote this, but it's not many though. It's not many. Um and you know, I think this is where it, the electoral college gets very saturated in fifth time in history. The, the fifth, fifth time, in, time history, in history. In history of of all of this. So the fifth time in history that a person won the popular vote and lost, lost because of the electoral the, yeah. college. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it is very mired in confusion because each state gets to designate their electors the way that they see fit. So you have 50 different ways of doing this. Most of states are saying you have to go towards majority vote. But then there are some faithless electors who do not vote on the party lines or for who the popular vote was for. And so it just gets very mired. And a lot of people say that the Electoral College is outdated. There was a reason that it was established. And that reason, when they wrote the Constitution, was to ensure that Southern Southern states would accept the constitution they would ratify it and so they had to write in the electoral college that way because of the way the southern states were operating with slaves yeah and so now a lot of the argument you hear is that we no longer have slavery and somehow we're still stuck in this system of electoral college yeah so when we took to facebook we decided to try to figure out what people said about this so again what i asked was should the electoral Electoral college stay or go and why? And I pulled a couple answers from people because I thought they were really thoughtful and really good. So when we asked this, um, we had people say everything from yes, it should stay, yes, it should go, it could stay, but it needs a revamp, or mm-hmm. it needs to go, or else it needs a revamp. Right. And so I asked them to clarify a little bit more for me. So let me read those. So one person said, While I believe that rural areas should be recognized, I feel that they already are in Senate and state issues. Rural areas have too much influence on the election. See the 2016 results. If the vote was purely popular, it will also be harder to have corruption, whereas now candidates pool money and pick issues that matter in battleground states. It's easier to, to it's easier to campaign to and buy electoral college designees. Also, the always red and always blue states may have a much better turnout without the electoral college voters may determine that their vote actually makes a difference. Um, another person said, the electoral college protects us from chaos of a direct electorate democracy. Also, the U.S. is not a democracy, but rather a democratic republic. Stay with the condition that states allow 
I vote to stay with the condition that states allow for ranked choice voting and proportional electors instead of winner take all. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I get where they're coming from, though, with the proportions, Mm -hmm. because majority of the states, all but what? How many? Two? All but two. All but two. All but Maine and Nebraska. Yeah, a majority. Yeah. So, yeah. It's winner take all. Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. Um, some per- one person said, if it's reformed, it needs to be based on voting percentages, such as if a state has eight electoral college votes and 60% of the population votes Republican, 25% Democrat, and 15% Independent, then the electoral votes would be five, two, and one. So instead of winner takes all, it would mm-hmm. be based on the percentages. The electors would vote based on the percentages that were voted on people would have to cross party lines to get this done though yeah 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 good luck with that one (laughs) and just put some context behind that because i think we have a tendency you know especially right now when everybody is so defensive about their positions their candidates and their parties we have a tendency to think like if somebody is lives in a rural area then they're probably more so for the electoral college because they feel like their vote counts for more right um which is partially true that is how the electoral college is set up but this person that actually said that lives in a rural area of 200 people like that is the population so the fact to me that they're like I can see, like, I prefer it stay, but I can also see it reformed in this way. I think speaks a lot to the fact that people are understanding, like, the Electoral College is not exactly the way it should be even now. Right. Another person said, the Electoral College doesn't reflect a true democracy when the entire state votes as a block. Plus, it affects the down ballot. And the down ballot is when the electoral victory is declared prior to West Coast polls closing. Right. <laughs> Without the Electoral College, I believe more people would vote. If it stays, it should be percentages, not winner take all. So another person for percentages. Yeah. With that, though, before you read the next one, like, it matters, though, because if it's by population and winner takes all depending on how you vote within the two the binary party yeah system. the binary yeah. parts like it matters yeah so and, it, and and i don't know i think we might talk about it a little later but it goes back to you know the pledge so it does matter essentially yeah. when it comes down to it yeah it does it does and I, I'm just thinking about, you know, the person who said this and talking about the down ballot. I never thought about that. But if you live in California and you're hearing already that the vote has been decided based on the Electoral College, mm-hmm. what is the impetus for you to still go vote? Right. You're standing in line and polls have already closed, already being counted across the entire country. And they're like, this is the winner. And you're like, what? Why am I standing here right now? Yeah. Another person said it was founded as a racist system and discourages people from voting who don't feel like their vote will matter. Mm -hmm. So they say it should go. And that's all true. Another person said this is not how any of the other election systems for any other office work. Only the presidency. And that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I completely feel like this is worth the conversation. Yeah, because that is so true. Everything else is by everything else is everything else is by popular popu- vote. Yeah, popular vote. Like everything else is by popular vote from local officials mm-hmm. to state elections. To state election. Yep. 
to federal elections, mm-hmm. senators. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't understand. How can you vote for a senator and you can vote for a governor? And senators have a lot of power. Mm-hmm. I know the president has power, but the Senate has, I would say, equal, maybe not equal, I would say parallel power to the president. Yeah, collectively. That is huge. Yeah. And we can vote popular vote for them. So mm-hmm. why does it matter so much now for the president when this was put in place as a placeholder to ensure that Southern states would sign the Constitution way back? Yeah. I don't know why it still matters. Yeah. And to that point, to actually all of their points, it's hard to understand if you do vote independent. This is like, we hear this a lot, like the wasted vote. If you vote independent, it's mm. a wasted vote. So hearing this, is it actually a wasted vote? Because we tell people to go vote. Yeah. I mean, perception, <coughs> according according to the system and how it works. Um, you know, I like I said, your vote counts and it matters. Yeah. And the way that I started it off was saying, for me, it matters personally. Yeah. But for the process of selecting the president. I don't know. Yeah. And this is the way this is why we started saying we don't we actually don't have any answers to this one. This is like informational and educational, but this this is being talked about among I would say political brains that are much higher than ours. Mm -hmm. And people still can't figure out should the electoral college stay or go. Right. And and I feel like a lot of the people who, you know, said that it should be amended or, Mm -hmm. you know, changed. That process in itself, <laughs> we won't see it in our lifetime. <laughs> that process in itself is is just extensive. I'll use that one. I ain't going to say ridiculous. I'll say extensive. There have been hundreds of bills brought to the floor to either get rid of or amend the Electoral College, the electoral college overall. Um, none of them have passed. The closest, closest that we ever got was in 19, I think, 68, when there was a three-way runoff for president. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Nixon, the vice president at the time, Humphrey, he would have been kind of an incumbent, but he was vice president. And then George Wallace, who was a Southern racist. I mean, there's no other way to say it because he preached that segregation should rule now in the future, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, after Nixon gets presidency, people have this uprising because it's in the middle of integration. It's in the middle of a civil rights act. And so there's this bill that makes it all the way to the Senate floor and the Southern senators delay it and delay it and delay it. And people just didn't want people like George Wallace to be able to run for president again because he was not a good moral compass for the for the country. But now it's 2020 and we've had four years of reality TV. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I was trying to find uh, um, I had it in my notes. But anyways, in order for it to be amended or to change, it has to go through. It has to go through so many processes. So many processes yeah. um, to do that. Mm-hmm. But I think that for people who, you know, ask the question, like if the electoral college is what decides if who decides on the president um why should i vote during the general election your vote helps determine your state electors so when you go vote that's what you're doing 
Yeah. And that's what um, your vote goes towards. So when you vote for a presidential candidate, you're actually voting for electors within the party system. And, you know, I would actually, that makes me feel like it makes me want to have the argument then. And one of my friends brought this up in the social media post, but it makes me want to have the argument of then we should allow independents to vote in primaries. Right. Because right now, you're if if you are not part of the binary party system in most states, your vote in the primaries doesn't really do do a lot right to get to the general election correct because you can't most can't vote yeah in most states yeah until so there you, needs until to you get to the general l- right until you get to the general mm-hmm. and you should have all parties on all ballots primary general i mean there are a lot of things that need changed yeah <laughs> a lot of things now the interesting thing is because i feel like in all the research we did and this is well this can kind of be our wrap up just thought because it's not an answer but the interesting thing in, is in all the research we did, should it say, should it go? A lot of like, I'm leaning towards, it should either go or be heavily amended, right? Mm-hmm. But there have been some really good arguments that if it goes and we go to a popular vote as the deciding factor, we have to take into consideration that it would be complete chaos for yep. the United States. First of all, how would we ever, we can't even get through an election without drama at the polls. Florida is the worst offender. 2000, I mean, go look up 2000 if you don't know what I'm talking about. But Florida is the worst, but we can't get through drama. We can't do it now with the system we have. So to go by just popular vote would be very interesting. I think it would take a lot of money to transform the voting system. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, this was a really good point is that if if left then if we didn't put something in place federally and it was still left to states to make a lot of determinations about who was counted in the population what's to stop if it's strictly popular vote what's to stop say california from saying well we're going to go ahead and let 17 year olds vote and so therefore we have a higher population right which then texas might come back and say What's to stop 16-year-olds from voting here? So we're going to allow 16, 17, 16 and 17-year-olds to vote. And so then you kind of get this pissing contest of every state unless you start thinking about how do we control for this federally. Yeah. So there's a lot of questions and that go along with this. Yeah. So should it go? Should it stay? That is the question. That is the question. But um, we wanted to give you an understanding and a little bit of background information on how it actually works. Because I hear a lot of people talk about, you know, the vote, Mm -hmm. you know, go and vote. And then I also hear people on the other end talk about, well, why it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, So like I said, for me personally, it matters. Um, But I think that, you know, what I just uh, quoted like it does matter to an yeah. extent um, because you know within the binary party system that we have depending on how you know connected or vested you are in that um, it does matter <laughs> yeah and I still think it matters as well because because 
most states do operate, even if it is winner take all, and I don't think, I don't agree that that's the best system, it is still, the electors will still vote based on popular vote. And so in that, in that case, your vote still does matter. And don't forget, it's only the president. Every other seat, every other popular, anything is all popular vote. And so those vote and those votes matter. Sometimes Senate seats matter more than president. I hate to say it, but that's just how our government works. So yeah. That's my opinion. That's your opinion. Yeah. I hope that you at least learned something tonight about how it started. Um, yeah. I think that I'm glad that you gave that historical context because a lot of time people have the conversation and the back and forth on should it stay or should it go? And they don't really have the understanding of the historical context of where it came from and yeah. during what times things were established and how they are exactly still the same with all of the changes that have occurred, you know, since the 1800s. Yeah. So. Agree. Um, hey, that's just a little education we wanted to drop y'all <laughs> with. A little history we wanted to drop y'all with. Where it came from. What it means. How the system works. How the processes work. Um, our thing to you is just go vote. Um, at least from me to you is go vote. I don't care. Um who you vote for, just go vote, exercise your right. Um, because if you are like me or you can relate to me, it does matter. That's it. Anything else? That's it. All I right. say still go vote, yeah. but let's keep having the conversations about Electoral College. Definitely. And go read up yeah. on it a little bit more. We did it in kind of a flash, a flash snapshot um, because we could have been here for a couple of hours talking about everything with all the details. Yeah. So go educate yourself, read up on it some more. Hopefully the snapshot that we gave you kind of uh, gives you a broad understanding of it. Yep. Uh, All right. Until the next time. Go vote. Peace. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on any podcast platform and make sure that you rate us. Also, we do have a YouTube channel if you prefer to watch our antics, and we also provide closed captioning. And if you want to know more about us, go check us out on our website at successinblackandwhite.com, or you can reach out to us directly on social media. My social media handle is I am Daryl Lovett on all platforms. And mine is April Dawn Lovett on all platforms.